calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. The Rookie is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie. Game six. Ionath Krakens three and two at orbiting death four and one. Quith irradiated conference standings. Tied for first place with records of four and one, the orbiting death, the Wittok Pioneers, and the Glory War Pigs. Tied for fourth place with records of three and two, the Sheb Stalkers and the Ionath Krakens. Tied for sixth place with records of two and three, Grontak Hydras, Big Diggers, and Quith Survivors. In ninth place with a record of 1 and 4, the Wu Wall Crawlers. And in last place with a record of 0 and 5, the Sky Demolition. Quentin walked into the central locker room to find the place already half full of players and buzzing with excitement. The players crowded around the holo tank in the center of the room. Hey, what's going on? Oh, yep, Yasud said, making room for Quentin. Check out our first break of the season. The holotank showed two human broadcasters, Christoph Berman and Dr. Mary Warwick, reviewing a holographic replay projected on the desk between them. The ESPN Game Day logo circled above them. The orbiting death's upset win over the Wittek Pioneers puts the death in a three-way tie for first, Berman said. But the bigger story is this injury to Pioneers money man Condor Big Pladrian. Just how long is Adrian out for, Mary? The replay froze. She poked the tip of a plastic pointer into the holographic display. In the display, Condor Adrian had his right hand on the ground, obviously trying to keep himself from going down. A defensive lineman for the orbiting death, dressed in a white jersey with black trim and metal flake red helmet, was also frozen in midfall, leaning against Adrian's arm. Quentin suddenly realized that Adrian's arm was bent the wrong way. As you can see here, the elbow is badly hyperextended, Dr. Warwick said. The replay moved forward another second, then froze. Adrian's arm bent further, and a bone poked out of his skin accompanied by a freeze-frame flash of blood. A groan of disgust rippled through the Kraken's players. The holo started to move forward, then backward and rewind, then forward again, over and over to show the injury. 
Oh, it's like a chicken wing, Yasud shouted. Dr. Warwick continued. Here we see severe bone and ligament damage to Adrian's arm. This will require major reconstructive surgery. He could be out three to four weeks while they rebuild the joint. Quentin felt bad for the man, but also felt a surge of excitement. With him gone, the Pioneers were no longer the unbeatable machine they had been for the first four weeks. The Pioneers' win over the Krakens meant that even if the Krakens won out and the Pioneers only lost one more game, both teams would finish at 7-2 and two, and the Pioneers would win the conference on the head-to-head tiebreaker. But if the Pioneers lost two games, the Krakens had a chance to win the conference outright. The orbiting death was also 4-1, but they only had to lose one more game, that week's game against the Krakens. If the Krakens prevailed against the orbiting death, both teams would hold 4-2 records. However, that same head-to-head tiebreaker would this time favor the Krakens. Even though the Krakens shot at a conference title meant they had to win their last four games, the injury to Adrian and the upcoming match with the death made all things seem quite possible. To Quentin, it felt like a shroud had been lifted. In a two-game span, the team had gone from falling to 1-2 and two and losing its starting quarterback to crawling back to 3-2 and two with an outside shot at a title. Two days of practice on the touchback, then two days at Orbital Station 1, home of the orbiting death. Orbital Station 1, the ace, was even larger than the deuce. But even the fact that Quentin was about to see yet another new world was not enough to offset his rage. He was still on the bench, backing up a tanker. It was only a few minutes after breaking out of punch space that Quentin found himself in the observation deck, looking out at another massive, mobile, artificial world. The ace was an order of magnitude larger than the deuce. Where the deuce had seemed like a spherical sea urchin, complete with long, tapering spines, the ace looked more like a medieval mace. Short, blue, stubby points dotted its spherical shape. The remnants of framework spikes, like on the deuce, but with the area filled in by harvested space debris. Quentin walked up to Virak the Mean. Just how big is that? Largest artificial construct in the galaxy's history, Virak said. Much larger than Emperor One. Quentin let out a long whistle. Whew, I bet the Kratorakians don't like that. They hate it. How many beings live on that thing? 1.1 billion. Quentin shook his head. That was more beings than all the purest nation's outlying colonies combined. Hell, it was more than two entire planets, Allah and Stuart. The ace wasn't a station, it was a whole world. Still, while Allah and Stuart, especially Stuart, looked alive and vibrant, the ace looked like a rock studded with blue metallic points. Not really that much to see from space, Quentin said. Inside it is amazing, Virex said. Even better than Orbital Station 2. Quentin didn't have to wait long to see the inside. The touchback locked into orbit near an entrance shaft. Quentin rode down in the first shuttle. He wasn't starting, yet he was listed on the starter's shuttle. He didn't know what that meant. What he did know was that he didn't want to talk to Donald Pine on the way down. Pine couldn't even meet Quentin's eyes. 
The older quarterback spent most of the trip staring out the window. Ignoring the hateful glances, Quentin couldn't help but shoot his way. If Pine tanked a game, the Krakens were out of the playoff hunt, plain and simple. But if Quentin told anyone, it would destroy not only Pine's career, but the man's reputation and legacy as well. Maybe Pine was a moron for getting himself into trouble, but he was also a two-time Tier 1 champion. Did Quentin have the right to ruin that? Pine wasn't the only one acting odd. John Tweedy sat in a chair, his left fist methodically punching into his right hand. Whap. Pause. Whap. Pause. Whap. Mom always did love you best, scrolled across his forehead. Quentin nudged the massive Khomeini, then gestured at Tweedy. What's his deal? This is the biggest game of the year for him, Khomeini said. The death's running back is Jew Tweedy, John's brother. Quentin had read about the mad Jew Tweedy, Tier 2's leading rusher, in the weekly reports and had seen him on the highlight reels, but he had never connected the last name. John looks like he's about to kill somebody, Quentin said. He and Jew get along? Khomeini laughed as he pulled a large sandwich out of his duffel bag. Yeah, they get along. He took a big bite, then spoke around a mouthful of ham on rye. They get along about as well as the purest nation gets along with the League of Planets. Quentin left Khomeini to his sandwich as the shuttle slid into the entrance shaft. At the deuce, the crystalline growths had been mostly straight, like green quartz crystals. Here, they curved in all directions, like crystals of blue gypsum, sometimes spiraling outward like a ram's horn. Curls grew off of curls that grew off of curls, until the walls of the shaft were like a tangled jungle overgrowth of translucent blue. There were also smooth facets, their polished surface matching the contour of the shaft's outer diameter. Why isn't this as orderly as the deuce? This looks like crap. Virac seemed to wince at the comment, and before Quentin could ask why, Chodo the Bright slid out of his seat and stormed over. Chodo's eye flooded a deep green. His strong pedipalps reached for Quentin. Quentin felt a blast of adrenaline rip through him in response to the oncoming 400-pound linebacker. Without even thinking, Quentin's fists balled up and he started looking for an opening. Before he or Chodo could take a swing, however, Virac stepped between them. Back off, Chodo, Virac said, catching the bigger quith warrior in mid-step. Chodo's one eye peeked around Virac's shoulder. It was a scene identical to one Quentin had witnessed humans perform more times than he could remember, one being holding another one back to prevent a fight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Human rookie said, my world looks like feces, Chodo said. He tried to swing a pedipalp over the top, the quith warrior equivalent of the human swim technique used to get past an offensive lineman, but Virak effortlessly matched the move. He did not mean it, Virak said. Quentin, tell him you didn't mean it. Chodo pushed again, and Virak had to take a step back to keep his balance. Suddenly, two key linemen, Kilo Yoit and Shodo Thicket, grabbed Chodo and held him tight. Chodo's pedipalps quivered violently, and his eye flooded a deep black. I'm sorry, Quentin said quickly, stepping around Virak to place a hand on Chodo's chest. I did not mean to offend. The words and the touch seemed to stop Chodo cold. You called my home feces. It's a figure of speech on my world, Quentin said. I was not actually calling your world feces. I apologize if I offended you. Chodo's eye quickly faded from deep black to crystal clear. His body relaxed, and the key linemen cautiously released their holds. Apology accepted, Chodo said. So why does this shaft look so different from the deuce? Orbital Station 1 is older than the deuce, Chodo said. About 50 human years older. The crystal growth technology was not as developed. It looks like it grows great. Yes, but too fast, Chodo said. That was fine when the ace was small, a population of about 200 million beings. But the larger the crystalline matrix grew, the more silicate organisms there were, and growth rates increased exponentially. Engineers cut it away when it grows into populated areas, but it grows unchecked through the non-living areas. It is a problem we've been trying to fix for over a century. The shuttle dropped through the entrance shaft and into a brightly lit underground city. I won. Quentin said. He now understood why larger ships weren't allowed in the shaft. If the entrance shaft had resembled overgrown underbrush, the city was a full-out wilderness. Sprawling, blue-tinted crystals reached out from every part of the dome ceiling, curving up and over so that the city seemed to exist within a living but artificial jungle canopy. We have over a million beings employed just to remove overgrowth, Chodo said. It is our biggest tax burden. The shuttle slowed considerably and angled for a large gap in the arching crystalline canopy. As it slid past, the crystal growth seemed so close that Quentin unconsciously gripped a bulkhead to steady himself. The ship slipped past the upper canopy and into an open space between the canopy and the city buildings. A ship off to the left had dozens of long legs and clung to a crystalline growth like an insect clinging to a plant stem. At the base of the ship, a long, multi-jointed arm held a concentrated beam of white-hot energy. 
The beam moved back and forth across the blue crystalline growth, until suddenly the growth snapped free, trailing thick globs of molten crystal. Growth and ship together plunged it downward, but only for a second before the ship's engine caught and it hovered, newly cut prize still clutched in its insectile legs. The ship flew up, carefully threading its way through the crystalline canopy. They will send that off into deep space, Chodo said. There is no use for it. Why don't the city engineers just replace this growth with the more successful variety from the deuce? It has been attempted. The original growth is much more aggressive than the new. New growth has been introduced several times. It is either choked out, overgrown, or actually converted into original growth. Couldn't you just, I don't know, come up with a virus or something? The planet is now some 60% original growth, Chodo said. Any virus might spread to the core and destroy the structural integrity. We would be killing our own planet. So you can't kill it, you can't replace it, and you can't stop it, Quentin said. Chodo's petty palps quivered. He seemed oddly proud of the growth. Much like the Quith themselves. The shuttle banked to the right. Here, Quentin could discern no downtown because all of the huge buildings reached up into the crystalline canopy. Three centuries had given buildings plenty of time to grow to towering heights. Like the deuce, thick tendrils connected the city's buildings. Unlike the deuce, however, wherever the shuttle flew, Quentin could see hundreds of the insect-like ships cutting away at unwanted growths. Thousands of small curls spiraled out from every possible place, the start of new growths that would also eventually need thinning. How many beings live in this city? This is the city of Matterch, with 50 million residents in the city proper, which you see before you, and another 100 million in the underlying tunnels. It is the biggest city on the Ace, because it's the only one that supports life for non-Quith. All other cities were completely irradiated when the Kretorakians attacked. Quentin shook his head in amazement. Such numbers. 50 million in what he saw before him, in a space only a few miles across. The same amount of space in New Mecca housed only 10 million, and he had thought that impossibly overpopulated. Another bank to the right ended the conversation as Beef Eater Gin Stadium, home of the orbiting death, came into view. It was a round stadium, set deep in the ground. The first two decks were actually below the city's surface level. The next two decks towered high above, both sets connected by steeply sloping seats. Long, Thick, curved buttresses arced out from four equidistant spots around the curved stadium, reaching up to support the upper decks. The playing field looked impossibly tiny and distant, a testament to the stadium's size. He'd seen several colors of playing surface, but this was the most unusual yet. Jet black. So black that the white lines and numbers popped out in contrast, so sharp he could read them from the shuttle. The fact that the translucent blue stadium sat deep in the ground had caused some witty human of years gone by to dub the stadium the Ace Hole. The name had stuck. Where all other parts of the city seemed to be fighting a losing battle against the slow but wild growth of crystal, the stadium seemed to be a perfect, shimmering, symmetrical jewel. Quentin saw several dozen insectile ships working away in the stadium, carving away even the smallest budding protuberance. 
The shuttle banked over the stadium, then actually flew inside a hole in one of the huge buttresses. Once the ship set down, Quentin stepped out into a massive crystal room as elegant as an imperial palace. A short hallway, decorated with holoframes and memorabilia of the orbiting death, led the team to the visitor's central locker room. As the races filed into their respective dressing rooms, Quentin stopped to look at the back wall, painted metal flake red with a 10-foot-high flat black circle. Chodo, what the hell does that mean, anyway? That is the quiff symbol for death, Chodo said. The circle. No beginning, no ending. A fighting death for one quiff means life for many others. Quentin nodded to himself as Chodo walked to the quiff warrior locker room. The orbiting death wanted to die fighting? No problem, because Quentin Barnes aimed to please. Quentin just wanted to be alone. He didn't want to see his teammates. He didn't want to think about riding the bench. But that was all he could think about. He sat in a mixed-race bar, hiding in a shadowy back-corner booth, a Galaxy Sports magazine message board in one hand and a mag can of Miller in the other. His eyes merely glazed over the words and pictures. His mind couldn't get around the fact that he was a backup to a tanker. Hello, Quentin. Quentin looked up to see Mitchell Fayad and Virak the Mean. Are we disturbing you? Quentin shrugged. Just wanted some time to myself, you know? Fayad nodded. We saw you and wanted to invite you to join us for dinner. We're going to discuss ways to keep our winning streak alive. But if you want to be left alone, we understand. Thanks. Fayad put his hand on Quentin's shoulder. It made Quentin uncomfortable, but he didn't knock it away. Stay strong, Fayad said. Keep working hard and good things will come. With that, Fayad walked away and Virak followed. Quentin stared after them, hating Fayad for his positive attitude. He finished his Miller. Then another. Then another. He lost count. It wasn't until he stood to leave some four hours later that he felt the effects. The room spun around him, and he had to put a hand on the table to keep his balance. A Kretorakian civilian flew up and perched on his table. Quentin stared for a second, then recognized him. Sobox, the voice of Mopuk the Sneaky. You messed up, human, Sobox said. What are you talking about, Quentin said. His words sounded slurred. His balance wasn't the only thing that was failing him. Mopuk told you what to do and you didn't do it. Now you've got to pay. Quentin saw two large shadows move toward him. Not shadows. Key. So big they blocked out the bar's lights. He saw a blur before something smashed into his face and the room twisted wildly. He fell back into his booth. Hot blood coursed out of his nose and onto his upper lip. You're never going to play again, Sobok said. My boys will see to that. A blow to his stomach. Air shot out of him. He tried to breathe in, but couldn't. His mouth gasped open like a fish out of water. Strong arms lifted him up out of the booth and held him up. You're gonna pay, Sobok said. Put him down, now. The voice was quiet, but carried deadly authority. 
Quen finally drew a gasping breath. The two key enforcers held him by his armpits. Sobox was still on the table. All three faced Virak the Mean and Mitchell Fayette. I said put him down, Virak said. Sobox glared at the Quith warrior. Mind your own business, you grunt. You don't want to mess with Mopuk the Sneaky. Virak turned from the key and stared directly at Sobox. You insignificant worm. Redok is my Shamakath. He is also the Shamakath of Mopuk the Sneaky. Quentin Barnes is Greedock's property. Now you put him down, or this will get ugly. Sobox stared hatefully for a moment, then gestured to his enforcers. Put him down. Let's go. You haven't heard the last of this, Virak. Yes, I have, Virak said. He turned to the two key enforcers. You two face me again in any capacity, and I'll kill you. The key grunted some kind of return threat, then scuttled away, Sobox hovering over their heads as they left the bar. Quentin, are you okay? Fayed said as he grabbed a napkin and held it to the bleeding nose. Yeah, fine, Quentin said. What was that about? Virak said. What are you doing associating with Mopuk the Sneaky? What did he want with you? Beats me, Quentin said. Maybe he didn't like my hair. Stop lying, Virak said. I have to tell Greedock about this. No, Quentin said, feeling his buzz suddenly fade away. You can't do that. I have to, Virak said. He is my Shamakath, and I must tell him. Virak, please, don't. Why not? A shade of light purple colored Virak's eye. You, you just can't, okay? That is not okay. It is my duty. Mopuk is in Greedock's organization. Quentin groaned inside. Mopuk works for Greedock? Man, this sucks. If Mopuk is making a move, Greedock has to know about it. He's not making a move. It's, it's something else. I must tell Greedock, and you must tell him also, everything about this. Quentin stood and looked Virak in the eye. You have to trust me. If you tell Greedock, it'll destroy our season. Why? Fayette asked. Why would it destroy our season? It just will. Virak, please, you have to trust me on this. Do it for your team. Or my team? Quentin nodded. I'm telling you, we have to keep this quiet. I can't tell you why. Just trust me. Virak stared for a long moment. It is a sign of disrespect not to tell Greedock. He does not take disrespect lightly. Quen stayed quiet. He'd said his piece. Virak, Fayed said, we can't let anything ruin our season. Don't tell Greedock. Virak looked at Fayed, then back to Quentin. I will not say anything, Virak said. I will trust you, Quentin, but do not betray that trust. Quentin nodded, a grateful smile crossing his face. Thank you, Virak, and thanks, you guys, for helping me out. I would have got my face kicked in. We will return to the rooms, Fayed said. Will you join us this time? Quentin nodded.
The three teammates left the bar together. You have been listening to The Rookie, Season 1 of the Galactic Football League Series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Super Weapon. Superweaponband.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.